You can check us out on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media on Instagram at Menovation and Facebook at Menovation Podcast. Episode 20 of Menovation. Uh, Stop right now. If you have not listened to episode 19 with our guest, Corey Ross, go back, listen to it. Pick your mouth up off the floor, then start episode 20. <laughs> grab, a, grab a popcorn, grab a drink, because it's about to get wild. It's like something from a movie. It's I'm like something you. from a movie. Um, it's almost like that time I shit my pants. It was. It's that wild. <laughs> well, you didn't share that story yet. Oh, that's a, maybe that's a, a special story. <laughs> Can we have an episode just on like men shitting their pants? Like grown men. I've got some stories too. I've got some stories I think about everybody that. has a story. That'd yeah, be a long would, episode. That would be a long episode. Ooh, maybe that's the next funny episode. <laughs> All right, so... Yeah, so if you haven't listened to episode 19, make sure you do that because that's part one of Corey Ross. This will be part two, episode 20. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, so, yeah. <laughs> episode 19, uh, like I knew much of that, but not in that order. Uh, but you, you've got to listen to episode 19. But episode 20, though, I think what we want to do in this episode really is kind of bring hope back into the whole the whole situation right it, yeah. it, like it's we all struggle through shit we all go through some hell and you know pain in our life but uh Corey's story like uh, the, the first time i i heard his story was the first time i met him uh, at church and i didn't know all of what he shared in episode 19 at that point but uh man even that that the story that brought him to to, to christ into church uh, was enough to to get me hooked to to Corey, but uh, uh, yeah, Corey, Corey's got a voice as well. So uh, I don't know, maybe maybe you should sing something for us, man. That'll be the like end. That'll be the after party. The after party, <laughs> the <laughs> celebration. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Corey, for everyone listening, he's a big, burly man, six foot three, uh, works in construction. Oh, yeah, we should have described him in the, the first dude, episode. Uh. The dude can. <laughs> Like I said in the last episode, yeah. he's a man's man. Like he, he, he can build a house from ground up. Yep. And then yeah. go hunt and, and feed you and put food on the table as well. That's right. So I yeah. fight bear too. <laughs> I fight bear. I don't doubt every, that. Every he looks like a modern day Spartan. That's what yes, it is. Like part of the three hundred, uh-huh. you know? That's what Corey looks like. Yeah. And even sounds like it too. <laughs> yeah. But father, um, husband, he's on our worship team. Hello. Yep. The yep. voice of an angel. Yeah. Yep. Uh, works in construction. Uh, just a just a, a a man that's when we talk about what's a man like you look at Corey and you're like that's a man yep yep and then when you get to hear his story back in episode 19 and then we'll wrap it up today um, it really breaks down man the internal battle that most men go through mm-hmm. and I, so I want to I want to honor him for a second right so when I heard the the story that he shared in episode 19 it was on our ride back from a gas station uh, back to the camper because my daughter got stung by a wasp and we drove uh, over, yeah. drove out to a gas station at like 9.30 at night to, to pick up some medication. Uh, we were standing in line for about 10 minutes watching this woman like 
loser shit in the middle of a gas station, mm. trying to pay for something, didn't have money, pretending like she had money, and everybody standing around watching this lady just like laughing on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Corey just walks up and just pulls his credit card out and pays for whatever this woman's looking to buy. And everyone just looks at him and they're like, damn, dude, that was a really nice thing to do. Yeah. And that's Corey. Like, that's the kind of dude he is. Like, he will freaking take the shirt off his back and give it to somebody else. And then it was after witnessing that, that on the drive back home that he told me all that story that that he just shared in episode 19. And I was fucking floor. Yeah. Like, it seriously. was just crazy. No <laughs> other words. That. Yeah. But yeah, he's... Yeah. Just go back and listen to episode 19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I don't want to take up too much more time. Um, I want to make sure that we have enough time to hopefully get through the rest of it hopefully we'll find out um but Corey, yeah so uh we left off when you were about 18 you're about to go into the marines um and you were finding out some troubling news kind of pick back up from there yeah um please yeah so um you know training with the marines best part of my life up to that point uh finally get that structure uh found some friends you know that i was training with that i got really close to um, and actually, we're making great decisions with, you know, we go do uh, community services with these guys wow. um, and start trying to, like, really kind of rebuild my life. Um, and, uh, and I remember the day, you know, I went in for a physical. This was right before I was supposed to take off for boot camp. Um, and the doctor says, your body's a mess. Like, there's no way we can send you. Um, here we go again. There comes depression. Um but not only on that, um, and I don't know why this would spark it up, but I, I formed a very bad uh, social anxiety um, where I couldn't sit in a room with you guys and talk to you about anything. I would just want to sit in the corner and listen to what you guys were talking about. Um, and I think that's been a, another hard thing to break off. Um, and that's something I still continue to have issues with. Um, like you guys said, you know, I'm being on the worship team uh, at our church. Um, I struggle uh, with getting on stage um, and I can be up there. I love, you know, ushering that spirit in and and providing that opportunity for the people to absorb everything they can out of the worship. Um, but to lead seeing is something I've still yet to break into and be able to like just shuck that fear. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, I get this bad news from the Marines and uh, I've developed a social anxiety on top of the depression that I'm now feeling. Um, and I'm like, all right, like, you know, continue life. At this point, I have a little bit better of a head on my shoulders. Um, I have been through some shit and, you know, I consider myself now recovering. Yeah. Uh, I, at that point, I put myself um, realizing that I have depression and I have uh, anger coming back out. Um, I put myself back into, you know, paying $120 a week for therapy mm. and then another $60 a week on top of that for anger management and, um, alcohol and substance abuse. Um, and so, you know, I, I recognized I had a problem, um, and I was trying to treat it. Um, and that's when I met my amazingly beautiful and talented wife, Lexi. Come on. Um, and I was on the up. 
Um, about how old were you at this time? This is 19 years old. Okay. Um, kind of going from 18 to 19. Uh, I met her, and we met her at a, I met her at a club doing my thing. I'm In a the dancer. club, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, you know, met her on the dance floor. I was macking on a couple other girls, and she came and sat on my lap and said, hey, You need my number, not theirs. Okay, I know what kind of girl she is. She's going to be a lot of fun. So, and then not even a week later, she's moving into my apartment with me. Wow. And then within a month, we're moving to Las Vegas to go take care for her mom. Uh, young men, we don't recommend this uh, <laughs> dating path, but no, we don't. <laughs> I still had a, a kind of a reckless bone in my body, right? But don't discount the woman at the club, man. <laughs> That's, oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, some of the best times of my life, um, going through that scenario, meeting my wife and building a relationship with her. Um, within a year of meeting her, we met uh, January 15th uh, of 2004, and we got married January 15th of 2005. Wow. It's about a year. Yeah. Mm. Um been married for 17 years, but yeah. not without problems. Sure. Lots of problems uh, happened after that. Um, um, so we didn't have, and I think I mentioned this before, you know, we, we tried uh, for seven years to, to have kids. We're living that like fabulous young married couple life of, you know, we're just, you know, going out, having fun, taking great big trips, yeah. lots of sex, you know, it was great. You know, you're living in paradise. You're doing everything you want, buying new cars, you know, mm. you get into a house. Um, and then finally, we're like blessed and just, you know, found out she was pregnant. How old are you at this time? Um, well. About 26? 2012. Okay. Yeah. 26. So during that phase, the suicide and depression had subsided to a certain degree because you had something else. Like what was your little bit of that journey? Yeah, I think I, I found a way through um, therapy. I, so I did therapy for three years after, um, you know, leaving the Marines, um, training with the Marines. Was this a lot different than the first time you'd done therapy? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this time, I the therapists that I had, um, they were younger. Um, I went through a couple. Um, but they are younger, seemed like they, you know, had a little bit more care for like my scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was dealing with an older therapist, I just felt like it was all judgment. Like, well, mm -hmm. you did that all wrong, you know? So like, I would well, definitely, obviously, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, I would definitely say if anybody's going to go into therapy, um, be picky. Um, that's good. Pick somebody mm, that's that, good um, is going to put into you, not take away from you. Um, because there's therapists out there that, you know, it's a job for them. It's not a passion. Mm. Find that therapist that has a passion uh, for what they do and um, and uh, and then connect with them. Find something about them that you can connect with. One of the biggest things I connected uh, with the last therapist, um, I actually arranged this therapist from uh, the Marine Corps. And they uh, they recommended this guy and I met him and immediately was like just hit it off with him. He was a hunter, mm. you know, he obviously a Marine. Um, yeah. So we just had a really good, you know, mindset with each other just right off bat. And he's a really cool guy. So I was able to like form a connection with him before we got to the point where, okay, now I'm a therapist, Corey. Yeah. And I like that. that. I've never huge. heard that before. 
Yeah. Usually it's just like, okay, this is my therapist. Yeah. And then I wonder if that's sometimes why it takes people years to ever yeah. get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yep. Really cool. Yeah. Pick your therapist. Be picky. So yeah, um, going through that seven years of having kids, it wasn't without problems. Um, still had social anxiety, still depression, getting treated for depression. And there was, you know, scenarios. I went through college, um, doing welding and fabricating and got my diesel degree. Uh, did an internship at Canacot in Colorado. Um, so that, that took me away from home for the week. And then I'd come home on the weekends. You can imagine, you know, the scenarios that go through your head being away from your wife. We're both without children and, you know, the assumptions there. Oh, she's cheating on me the whole time. I'm gone. And those scenarios came up. You know, there was issues that we had while we were both away from each other that we were always able to work through. I never really brought like the depression out of me to the point where I wanted to kill myself again. Mm -hmm. Having kids changed a lot of that because now our mindset goes from um each other into you're taking care of a little human being yep and then soon after um what 18 20 months after we had our second child so life changed super fast so i went from this guy that would go hunting for a week solid and not talk to anybody being up the mountains just enjoying life to now like i'm providing i'm a father that was hard for my wife because i was that step away dad but i was also that disciplinary dad much like you said tyson where um you know i grew up getting hit by a belt you know i got i grew up my mom would grab a spatula and slap me across the face with it wow and that was normal that was how Mm -hmm. we were raised um so i had that mentality that i need to be the same way with my boys um and you know not really realizing I got to the point where I was that dad wasn't um, as much of a physical anger that I had with them. It was uh, emotional. It was, I was damaging to their mentality. Wow. I think the worst thing I, I ever did with my boys was they would make me mad and I'd slap the back of their head, kind of like the duh, you know, mm-hmm. slap, you know, quick slap upside the head, knock some sense into them, kick maybe put a foot a foot to their butt yeah you know come on let's do it you know um that's as as much as i ever really laid my hand on on my boys but it was all really a destructive mental game that i was playing with them yeah i would come home um working and i was just and i was an asshole wow. my kids did not like to mm. be around me i destroyed a relationship with my children and i didn't know i was doing it um but I think depression and my social anxiety definitely sewed into that. Sure. Um, so it started really kind of, I guess, destroying the marriage and the relationship I had with my kids over time. It took a few years. Um, up to this point, my wife and I uh, had separated a few times over just small, kind of smaller things. But it was always my reaction just to leave and not have to deal with problems. It was mm. easier. Something that I thought I had learned out of going to therapy. Like if you get yourself out of the situation, then you maybe you won't have bad feelings. You won't mm. want to kill wow. yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, total misinterpretation of wow. what they were trying to do. Um, but that's how I took it. And so I, I dodge, I, you know, I dodge out. I'd, uh, I'd leave. 
And it was always like a week later or something. You know, I'd come back. Hey, I'm sorry. We make up. Things were good. I think the next big event that was really brought on by social anxiety and depression was I went out of town one time. It was for work. I'd I'd started working for a company as a mechanic, a heavy equipment mechanic, and I went out of town. And uh, I came back in town from being out of town, and I was just a mess. Um, you know, being out of town with a bunch of guys, you, you get away with, um, you know, I've been drinking a lot, smoking a lot, chewing a lot, um, kind of getting back into my own ways. I was starting to abuse um like prescription medications um and it was causing a lot of my anger to come back and uh my wife was just you know doing everything she could she's always been the angel of my life i'm always trying to better the scenario always trying to what can i do to help how we can how can we change things um and i'm like i'm done like i'm just i'm walking away um during that time um you know, our separation, she had th some things happen that really destroyed her. Uh, that's another story. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, give something away that maybe she wasn't comfortable with doing. Um, but that was a hard time of her life. And to have that um, kind of take away from my own scenario, I feel like you almost feel like, oh, now you have the glory. Oh, good job. Like you're more wrecked than I am. Um that was very, that was hard for me. That's yeah. when depression really started kind of sneaking back in. Wow. Um, got heavier into into pills. Um, my self-image was so torn up that um, I had a friend that was huge into bodybuilding. So I started bodybuilding with him. About how old are you at this time? This Just for was, timeline's sake. Now I'm 32. Okay. So getting into bodybuilding, um, which actually kind of helped me out quite a bit at the start to kind of focus a lot of my anger, um, you know, put it into weights. You know, I went from like 195, 190 to, you know, 230 pounds, 235 pounds. Jeez. And it was all muscle. The big dude. Uh, but <laughs> a lot of pills, yeah. a lot of steroids, mm. a lot of everything you can take to make yourself bigger. Start abusing big time in steroids and everybody know what steroids does to you. It'll shrink your nuts and give you an attitude. <laughs> um, and that um, that was huge. Um, I got to the point uh, where my wife was worried about what I could do to her out of wow. fear, out of anger. Wow, yeah. Um, and so that was pretty destructive in our relationship. Um, although our relationship had gone better in so many ways, I was also demoing it in so many ways, you know, and then my wife started going to, she, she kind of course changed. She started going to a uh, chaplain school to be a chaplain and getting all these new, you know, ideas in her mind, you know, like, uh, faith in God and, and God first and, and, you know, marriage second. And that really kind of tore apart our relationship. I, for me the most mm. uh, for her she thought she was doing great you know she had a lot of stuff that I had done to her um, that was damaging but um, her getting faith in God and and raising our children in God she had always taken our children to church was uh, you know I always bowed out 
I was always out of that picture. Um, I'd go and do my thing on every Sunday. What kind of church was it? LDS church. And she'd uh, take my kids to LDS church and you know, I want nothing to do with it. I've already been down that path and yeah. God wasn't going to do nothing for me. Um, so she's, uh, she's going through chaplaincy school. And I remember, you know, we, we had been pretty destructive. I had left her and, and, um, like previously to, to chaplain school, I kind of left that out. I had left her, um, for a couple of months and actually had filed for divorce myself a couple of months before she decided to do chaplain school. Um, and I had been dating around. I, I got real close to one girl and, and then me and my wife reconciled just over discussing things with each other and, and deciding, oh, it's just not going to work out. And then that brings a whole nother problem in is now I have this girl, you know, that loves me supposedly. And now I am back with my wife. So just keep that in mind. That's just like a scenario for my wife to kind of go in destructive mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I set her up for that, you know? Um, so now she's, you know, going through this, down this amazing adventure for herself into chaplaincy and, uh, summer comes around. Uh, we had a pretty enjoyable summer, you know, we're very active as a family. Um, but I'm still destructive against my boys and my wife. Um, but we did, we went out and had a lot of fun, you know, going on cruises, going on, uh, you know, big long trips and stuff, going hunting. I went hunting for, um, quite a few weeks with them. Um, she had this discussion with me and this was about, um, August, I guess early August, probably I was 35. Um, and she says, you know, I feel like our relationship's going downhill fast and you need to fix it up. Like your kids are scared to death of you. I'm scared to death of you. Something's got to change. I said, wow. Like I had no idea. Like I was so bad. Um, I'm going to change. I, I need to, and that's at the point, you know, I started trying to quit chewing. Um, I had gotten off of alcohol and gotten off of uh, steroids at that time. Um, and, uh, and thought I was doing better. Um, went hunting. I got this elk permit for Wasatch strawberry area, uh, strawberry reservoir area, and was super pumped about that. My family was going to go for the weekend with me and I was going to stay the rest of the week, um, up on the mountain. Uh, so, you know, we go hunting and, uh, and then they take off and I'm there alone, you know, trying to, you know, chase around bull elk. And, uh, one morning I, I wake up with a sensation. I just heard a, an elk bugle, um, and it's screaming out and immediately I'm like, you know, you get all excited and I'm like, wait, something's wrong. Something's off. I need to go home. So instead of going chasing the bull, wow. I pack up everything I had, you know, trailer, side by side, truck, get everything loaded up, cruise down the canyon, go home. I walk through the door. My wife doesn't say hi. She doesn't say, what are you doing? You're here early. Yeah. She says, you're moving out. We're done. Wow. I'm done with you. Okay. I was already packed up. So I just pulled my trailer up to my parents' house. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had already had everything that I needed. All my clothes, everything. And at first, you know, I was pretty torn apart. um, But I was okay with it. Wow. 
um, I was actually almost excited with the mentality is, um, well, I guess I can date again. Well, I guess I can, you know, go hunting. I guess I can do all the stuff that a man wants to do. Um, but then I spent the next week apart from my children mm. and I started having these feelings creep in. Um, I got a visitation with them for a couple of hours the following week and watching them leave from visitation, yeah. sending them back home to their mom, my heart broke. It was very destructive and I lost every bit of life in my soul. You know, it, that was, you know, I was back into hundred percent depression mode. Um, we were separated and she had filed for divorce and we had, we had the same lawyer. We thought we could do it, um, politely between each other. Um, I was just willing to give her everything, um, and leave everything. Um, and you know, I was just going to go through life. You know, I was just going to have to restart. I wanted to be able to provide her and my kids with everything that they they could have. Uh, getting ready to sell the house. Um, we had all kinds of toys, you know, wave runners, side-by-sides, four-wheelers, motorcycles, big, you know, jacked up trucks, nice trailer, sold it all. Um, it wasn't the mentality that I didn't want her to have everything. All the money actually went to her. Um, prepping for what could be. Meanwhile, my mentality, every time I saw my boys, I was so happy to see them. But every time they left, I was just destroyed that much more. A couple other, you know, scenarios that happened just through like talking with her and, and my family and her family, like my depression was getting so bad, so bad. Um, I was living at my parents' house at the time. And they were leaving out of town to go hunting. I'm like, oh, that's one more thing. I can't hunt anymore. I can't afford it. Um, and they, they take off hunting and I had the weekend to myself. And I remember it was a Friday night and decided, you know what? I need to call her and see if I'm going to have the boys this weekend or not. Or I couldn't remember. Something was going on. So I call her and we ended up talking to like two in the morning. I would say... 80% of that conversation was me trying to talk her into taking me back. Mm. And she says, Corey, I'll take you back in a year. If you can better yourself and show that you're a different man in a year, I, I won't date. I'm going to stay single. It's all 100% um. about my boys. And I'll save myself for you. I'll wait a year to do anything. And that still wasn't sitting right with me. I was in destructive mode. Yeah. We got off the yeah. phone and without even a hesitation, went outside, went to my truck. I always had a pistol in my truck and uh, went back downstairs with it and knelt beside my bed uh, in my parents' basement and uh, put the gun in my mouth, pulled the trigger. And all I heard was a click. And then just a heavy sense of failure first. Like, uh, not again. I am terrible <laughs> at this. Like, ready to action a new bullet in, you yeah, know? Fourth time. And then just this overwhelming presence. And I'm going to get emotional because it hits me every time. Mm -hmm. But um, the presence and the weight of God's hands on my shoulders saying, Corey, it is not done. Wow. There is more for you. Mm. Um, And it's unbelievable. You know, I've always... 
up to that point, never had any faith of God, never thought about him. Um, my peace was in the mountains and that's where I found my serenity. Um, but that was the only time in my life where I've actually felt God's hands on my shoulder. That was, that was huge. So I, I lift the pistol up looking at it and I, I action it back and let the bolt fly out. And the, the primer had actually been struck. And, you know, that means that bullet's supposed to go off. Mm -hmm. I should be dead. Yeah. And in every scenario that I always try to commit suicide, it was a failure on my behalf. It was something that I didn't do right to make myself die. I didn't take the safety off the gun before I pulled the trigger. Yeah. I didn't let my head hit the bumper. There was always something that I failed at. Um, this one, the bullet didn't go off. And that struck me like crazy. That whole next day I had to work. Um, I was a superintendent up in Park City, you know, running, you know, five different crews, um, you know, 60 guys. And the whole day, I'd never in my life listened to worship music. I'd never, hardly in my life ever prayed to God intentionally. That whole day I just prayed. The whole day I listened to music and I just prayed. I remember the end of the day, I just looked at my phone and wanted to find a church. So I Googled fun, uplifting <laughs> church in Salt Lake Valley. C3 popped up. I'm like, all right, first one popped up. That's the one I'm going to. I show up that Sunday morning and I'm just sitting in the chair and I'm, I'm a super early guy. I have to be early to everything. I'm an hour and a half early to church just because I wanted yeah. to like sit there and like mm -hmm. watch people come in and see yeah. how they interact with each other. Yeah. Um, first guy that came up to me um, was our pastor at the time, Vince. And it was just, you, I, I had no idea who he was. Yeah. I didn't know he was going to be the guy up on that stage talking today. <laughs> and I'm just shooting it with him. You know, I'm, it was just good to have somebody listen. Because I had just been through something so traumatic. Mm -hmm. Did you tell him? Not at that time. Okay. I just told him, you know, kind of like the specifics. You know, I'm selling my house. Uh, oh, I'm a realtor. I'm a realtor. I'm, yeah, oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> you know, I already have one, but that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going through a divorce. Just need a, I need a, I felt God's presence yesterday and I need to, I need to be here. That church, that, that was my saving. I mean, that, that three-day event was just spectacular. I got there, um, you know, our lead pastor from San Diego was, was there. Um, Jurgen Matisius was there and he spoke that Sunday. Worship was killer. And I'm up at like the top of the, the you know, the seats. I'm up like the back row and I'm like being radically saved. Like I am the ugliest crier in the world and I'm up there just wow. ugly, you know, mm -hmm. and but just feeling spirit. Right? I was alone at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and it, it, just every word was spoken for me. I can't remember what they spoke about, but it, everything was for me that day. Um, left the church having an amazing service and I had to go home to scrub carpet, carpets because our house was going to be selling. And uh, so I go to my my house in, in Lehigh and normally I would just walk through the door. This is my house. I own it. I walk in when I want. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm going to knock at the front door. 
So I knocked at the front door and my boys answer. And, and then my wife, you know, was close behind them seeing who it was at the door. And she just looks at me and starts crying. Wow. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. There's something different about you. Like, I don't know. Let me in. I'll talk, <laughs> you know? So we just, we, my kids are playing. We go upstairs. We have this big playroom and, and we slide down the wall and sit on the carpet and we're just, you know, talking. And I told her all of the events and I'm like, I'm not trying to use this against you, but this is what happened. How long ago was this? Two years ago. Uh, two years ago, uh, almost this, almost this exact day. Yeah. I think we're only about a couple of weeks behind. Um, so two years ago and, uh, you know, we get talking and we reconcile and that night I'm moving back in and uh, lawyers are completely yeah. stopped. The judge felt like that she needed to push this. We had already done all of our kids classes and she was ready to sign our divorce paperwork. Um, really expedited, like really push through and get it done. Um, and we completely canceled that off and lawyers dropped them off and I had moved in and we were reconciled and not uh, the next Sunday I'd heard her and my boys at church and it completely changed my life. Uh, my attitude with my sons, you know, within a month they were excited to see me. I'd never had that before with a relationship with my kids before. They're never excited to see me. They're always worried about what I was going to say or do. You know, they had more fear in me than they had love for me. Um, that turned around really quick. You know, it wasn't easy coming from destruction back into to life. But that weekend happened. And since then, it's been two years. I have never felt depressed. And I have never felt anxiety. Wow. The anxiety that I have, I think... Like I said, you know, being up on the worship stage and being that lead singer, I still have that, like, the jitters, like sure. that shaking, nervous voice. Or, sure. You know, you want to shake and you're just so nervous. I think mm -hmm. that's, that can be formed as an anxiety, but the anxiety that I felt before is, is there's no comparison. Yeah. This is a completely different anxiety. Yeah. Um, all of nerves. that is gone now. It's more nerves. Yeah. Um. Corey was also like, what, 90-something percent deaf in one year, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. since he's been coming, since he's been coming, he's uh, he's been healed of that as well. He's now like 100% in yeah. both ears. And so yeah. yeah, January. Just, just the, the stories that, that he has is, is incredible. Well, I remember meeting you guys shortly after you started coming. I don't know exactly what scenario. And what's interesting, hearing about this story up until this point you are like a gentle giant now. Yeah. And I mean, emerge was one thing, but, um, <laughs> uh, but like for the most part, like you're just, you're gentle. I've never seen you raise your voice. I've never seen you really get angry, nothing. And you're so like blase fair, just go with the flow, whatever's cool. Right. Like my kids drew on your wall, your brand new house. And you're like, no, it's no big deal. <laughs> In my mind, I'm like freaking out. Um, and, uh, and it's just so, it's so interesting to watch how that one moment, literally one moment, I know we've all had that one moment. I mean, uh, episode 17, um, 
we talked about kind mm-hmm. of our why Jesus moment. And uh, your one moment literally shifted everything. And well, I think what's so hard about suicide is you take that one moment and you never get to have it. Yeah. Right. Where everything shifts, where you can have worth, when you can find your worth or whatever that journey starts on. And uh, you, you take that. It's just very powerful. Yeah. So talk about, um, so talk about the restoration over the past two years. Uh, because I think you're obviously doing work before that, you know, there'd yep. be different things, but clearly it was been the last two years where so many things have been shifted. Ben talks about you had a miraculous healing in your ear. Um, all these different things started to shift and change. Uh, talk about that journey. Well, so me and my wife reconcile. Um, but it was not without problems. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like there was a light switch and everything was good now. Um, I was saved, but she still had problems. Like she can see mm-hmm. the change in me, but it doesn't mean that we left the past behind. Right. Um, through that, the whole separation I had been in, um, counseling again. Um, and I had been through, I think six or seven different therapists and uh, finally found one that was awesome. And it was crazy was um, she had a lot of advice for me and, and we had really good discussion before that incident. After that incident, within a week, I had her saying, you don't need to be here. Wow. There's nothing wrong with you. Wow. Something happened wow. and changed mm. you where you're done, like you're pointless coming. Um, but what was left over, what had stained was the relationship, um, the what we had to go through to con- continue healing her, sure. um, which also, you know, obviously involved me and yeah. like yeah. having those discussions. Hardest thing ever is to talk about the things that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all the discussion that there was the f- entire first year. Um, you know, I still had some emotional stuff. Um, I, you know, I had a breakthrough, um, you know, the walls that were put up about my parents and I's relationship, mm-hmm. never been good with my family. Um, and the first year of being saved, I was able to break all of that off and just completely, feel renewed over the relationship of my parents. I'm happy with my dad now. My mom made, you know, they, they made mistakes. They are not perfect parents and I'm, mm. I've forgiven them. Yeah. Um, but I didn't forgive them through myself and forgave them through God. Mm-hmm. And that was the big difference. I tried to forgive them my whole life. Um, but it was applying God in that scenario that, that gave me that forgiveness. Uh, and that's how we had, had, had to apply everything. Yeah. Um, our sexual relationship, our, um, you know, our emotional state with each other. Um, it was all, um, it was a lot of work. Um, a lot of it was with her. I did take on that kind of, I'm a big teddy bear persona and she didn't understand how that happened. Mm. And that was even hard for her. Like, mm. you're such a nice guy now. Why aren't you getting mad? You're not yelling <laughs> at me. 
and that was hard. Like uh, even it's like a shift. A, it's a, almost like a new person. A mm-hmm. good thing, being yeah. that is, caused a problem. Mm. Um, so it's all the little battles uh, of healing through that whole thing was tough. She, she. I mean, we still this day we have normal couple problems. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but the, the the problems that we had, the biggest problems before, you know, was sex, drugs. Um, money. Money is always a huge factor, right? Um, since became a Christian and I've been a full tither, money's not been a problem. Um, sex has been an issue only because of my diagnosis from what I was, you know, mm-hmm. um, from, my, you know, my youth when I was uh, molested or, you know, sexually assaulted. Um, and so, you know, dealing with that, but we're dealing with it in the faith that it can be restored. Yes, oh, I'm yeah. going to the doctor yes. for medication, but I'm also we're also intentfully praying yeah. Yeah. to be completely healed. And I've been doing the same thing with my hearing, like Ben said. Um, back in January, we had a pastor come from San Diego to kind of help out our campus for a little bit. His name was Alex, amazing mm-hmm. guy. You know, I'm up on stage doing worship, and he decides, you know what, we need healing in this in this church. Let's bring some people on stage. Mm-hmm. I was the one of them that stepped up and. I remember, um, and this is like a scenario that even like goes over to my relationship and how we've had to heal our relationship. As he says, there's something wrong with you. I want to pray and break that off. I said, well, yeah, I'm deaf in my left ear. And I literally said, good luck. (laughs) I think I remember catching you that night, trying to catch you. (laughs) Yeah. So I said, literally, good luck. He says... No, we got it. Yeah. And he put his hand on my ear and prayed for me. And next I know I'm on my back with screaming pain in my left ear. And I had a headache and sounds, noises coming back in my left ear for a week. Constant migraine. Worst headache I've ever had. And the following Sunday, by the time I got back to church, my hearing and pain was completely, my pain was completely gone and my hearing was completely restored. Wow. And I've been deaf for 19 years. Mm. Was so. that from one of the car incidents? Uh, no, I used to be into uh, <laughs> this is fun car audio. <laughs> oh, okay, so yeah, and Black I used music. to compete. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was a subwoofer with yeah, my yeah. eardrum. Well, that in like competition um, shooting, I used to mm. travel the United States um, competition shooting in a in a group, and uh, and so handguns and yeah. you know firearms took a, a big. Yeah. big dose out of that. Not but proper ear protection. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> good. But uh, com- completely received healing. And after that point, I think me and my wife realized that it wasn't necessarily us. Like we always like want to receive healing with medication, you know, don't mm. do the science. Like, oh, it's the science will heal you. You know, it's the medication that's going to heal you. I always relied on antidepressants or um, mood swinging, you know, medications and and stuff like that. But God has got it. Mm -hmm. I I felt him break off anxiety and depression. I felt him break off my deaf ear. Now, every instance or any situation that we have come up, God restores us. So if we have an attitude with each other, we Mm -hmm. just stop and pray. And every time never fail, it brings us back to a balance. Yep. Yep. Every time. 
<laughs> I don't even know what to say. It's well, so freaking incredible. Okay, so the question that I asked you at the beginning of the first episode, mm -hmm. I want to circle back around and kind of land on this question. What would you say, or something similar, what would you say is the biggest either piece of advice or, yeah, piece of advice you would say someone going through suicide, depression, or those, those thoughts. Now coming on the other end, walking through obviously a ton of stuff, doing therapy, uh, having your faith restored, I would say, walking out a journey with God and your wife, all of these restorative pieces. What would you say is your biggest piece of advice um, you would give somebody either going through that journey or, um, a, you know, coming out of it, wh whatever, whatever, what have you? Yeah. Um, I would say first and the most important is God's first. If you don't have God in your life, you're doing it all wrong. Um, it wasn't until I applied God in my daily life and every mentality state that I was ever in um, that I was healed. Um, God's always first. Find God. Apply Him in your life. Read your scriptures. Pray to Him. Have your your time of meditation and your time of mm. worship. Very important. Mm. Um, One thing I want to insert there. He's not talking about a hippy-dippy God. <laughs> He's not talking about a religious God. He is talking about the God and Jesus of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Yes. Nothing more. Um, he's, he's, and I want to just, I want to hammer on this point just a little bit because uh, people can be like, oh, he's going to find my own God. No, no, we're talking about the God. Yeah. We're not talking about um, whoever. We're talking about the God where uh, he came to earth in the form of Jesus, died for our sins, three days later, defeated death and rose. That is the God we're talking about. We're not talking about anything else. We're mm -hmm. not talking about, oh, the universe. Like he's talking about something very specific. And he's not talking about religious God where you got to go and pretend to be something you're not, mm -hmm. uh, do a set of rules, join a cult, whatever. That's what I'm talking about that. We're talking about the one and only true God, nothing else. Yeah. When he says, uh, start with God, let him in. What he's talking about, if you guys don't know, it's it's the Holy Spirit. That's a, a part of God. Um, that is a real being and there's relationship there. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've never experienced that, that's what he's talking about. And being in communion with this Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly. Um, be intentional. Um, make it the most important part of your day is spending time with him. Mm. I would say the next thing is never hold anything back from anyone in your family. If they ask you, is there something wrong? Wow. then you need to tell them there's mm. something wrong. Yeah. Um, the more you hide, the less you're going to be, the the worse you're going to be. Um, I hid everything from my family, hid everything from my sons, hid everything from my wife. It was just, it's destructive. Let everything out. If you have a coworker you can talk to, if you have anybody that you can say anything to, yeah. people genuinely don't automatically go to, oh, that's a bummer. Good luck. No, they actually genuinely care for you. Let them care for you. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about, so what does like, you said you were living with depression, whereas everyone experiences it, but you were, you lived with it. You oh, yeah. were depressed. Like mm. legitimately what, diagnosed depressed. What does that, because that's foreign to me. I mean, I've had depression, but mm -hmm. I've never been depressed like you were. Yeah. What, what does that feel like? And then what does it look like on the outside as people looking in um, for you? It feels like 
you can never do right. And it feels like you're always exhausted. It feels like there's no light at the end of any tunnel. Um, you're literally looking down at life saying it's pointless for me to be here. Um, it's just, you're, you constantly have a cloud over you. You're always thinking negative. You're, um, you take anything that anybody says to you, um, and you can turn it in a negative way. Mm. Um, so you, instead of having friends, you have enemies. Um, even the closest people that are, are with you, um, they're always constantly attacking you in some way. Um, and that's also an anxiety, a social anxiety thing. You can go into a crowd um, and completely um, feel like you're being attacked. Mm. I would go just simple shopping at Walmart and just people walking down an aisle would make me have a panic attack. Wow. And my panic attack attacks were so bad, I would actually seizure. I'd have seizures. And anytime that I would ever have a, a an argument or, or anything with my wife it never ended up with it never ended saying okay you know hug kiss we're better now it was always ending with me having a seizure wow so so dep you're saying depression is your perception that is is making it your reality yeah that is causing you to feel oh yeah it, you can literally feel depression wow and i yeah. wonder and i think about mm. that like it's interesting because people don't think that there's a spiritual battle with all yeah. of this. And I feel like the devil saw an in, mm -hmm. right? When you were, you know, pre-eight, let's call it. Yeah. And he just built upon it. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, just in those moments where, because I remember moments when, you know, um, I shared this story a couple episodes ago, but when I was having a really dark moment, the stuff that rolls through your mind is just, it's undescribable. And the enemy just shows you like, you're a piece of trash. You're not yeah. worth it. No one will miss you. Yep. And and you always wonder like how, I mean, this was a few months ago, but there was a pastor and I think in the, the desert, Palm Springs area, family let a church kill themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it's like, if it's not simply just a, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, but I feel like it's not simply just, oh, it's my insecurities. It's this, that's the other. It's literally an attack on you nonstop over and over oh, yeah. and over again so yeah definitely no it's constant um i used to have insomnia i would try to go to sleep at eight o'clock at night and my wife can vouch for this you know try to go to sleep at night my mind would never turn off and yeah. I, would, I would literally go you know 48 hours 60 some odd hours without any sleep because my mind was attacking me constantly yeah and yeah. then it, it got to the point where there was weeks I wouldn't eat. And now even, at, you know, a lasting effect is I don't really care for food. I'll eat one meal a day. It's because mm. my body's just gotten used to mm. having a constant fast where mm. food is just not a priority. So I got to be intent, like I have to, yeah, like eat Corey, yeah. eat. You yeah, need yeah. energy. Yeah, eat. yeah, yeah. So lasting effects too. Um, but very much so depression is an attack um, that is constant, whether you're sleeping, my sleep nightmares every night. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I'd wake up screaming if I did fall asleep, you know, have a terrible nightmare. I wake up screaming and had a panic full to sweat and have an anxiety attack right there. Wake up straight into a seizure. You yeah. can only imagine when that would do to a relationship. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is the enemy is 
nonstop. He knows that he can slowly just drive you to that point. Oh, yeah. And if he can get you to take yourself out, wipes his hands and he's on to the next. Yeah. And that's the thing is I, I've had so many conversations with people about that. And um, it's interesting that journey where you've made those small decisions like I'm, I'm not going to or when God intercepts and stops the bullet and then drops his, you know, his presence on you and changes everything. What is one, we're going to have, we have to land this chef, unfortunately. <laughs> it's already been, it's already been another episode <laughs> done. Uh, what is one thing you would want to say to somebody um, that's going through this, been through this on the other end of it? I mean, I know you kind of said some things, but just kind of like one thing um, that you would say to somebody going through this journey. Well, it kind of goes back to the question that you previously asked me. Um, going, um, applying God to your life, um, telling everybody in your family um, what you're going through, being very informative, being transparent, uh, finding a good therapist. Um, there's so much help out there for you, but the biggest help is God. If I were to give any advice or, or tell anybody, um, give any, it, find God. Apply so, God to your life. So that's that, that's easy to say now, right? But so looking back at eight-year-old Corey or, or look at an eight-year-old struggling through what you struggled yeah. with when you were eight, how impossible was it for you to convince yourself at eight that there was God, right? Or someone mm-hmm. who cared. How could you now looking back at all of that convince someone who's eight not to go down the path that you went down? That's a good question. Um, and then 13 and 23, yeah. right? Even, you know, there's things in my boys that we see, you know, especially my oldest, where um, he's more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's had issues where we're like, oh man, I hope he's not like catching on to that. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, that depression, that anxiety, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, no, I got it from my mom. And that's why I had it. So now my son has it. No, let's break that off. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like mm-hmm. we pray over my son mm-hmm. daily. You have more power mm. and authority mm-hmm. over your family than will ever been taught to you before. And you're, you know, you know, you're not mm-hmm. going to learn that through religion. Mm-hmm. When I was eight years old, I had religion. Yeah. I was told that I had to follow a path. Mm. I was I was taught out of a manual and from the leaders of the church. God didn't teach me anything. Mm. I didn't learn anything from God. I didn't learn anything from my parents on how to correct my decisions using God as the instrument of life. Like he is our, he is our Lord and savior. He is here for us. He is about us. He is, he is with us at all times. Mm -hmm. If, if your child is going through this and you see depression coming into your household, pray over your child. Mm. Pray over your vehicle that child that child travels in. Mm-hmm. Pray over your house. Get that evil out of your house. Pray over your relationship with your wife that you can have the knowledge and that you can have the authority over your house and over your family to get the demons and the spirits out of your out of the situation. Pray, pray, pray. Mm. And things will break off. I love being the- more intentional about praying 
this stuff off has changed so many aspects just in the, the relationship that me and my wife have with our children and our children and what they're going through in their daily lives. Let me ask you, so <clears throat> you said when you were a child, you had a fractured relationship with your parents mm-hmm. and that sounded like what really kind of kickstarted the depression. Yeah. Uh, being a father now, how do you go about your relationship with your children to avoid what you went through? Like we understand pray, that's always number one, Mm -hmm. but practically speaking, what does it look like when you have, you know, your relationship and just hanging out with your, your, with your boys to avoid as best you can, what you went through? Yeah. Our daily life looks like positivity. If, if positivity had a picture, you know, under the description, um, it would look like our life. We live a positive life. Mm. Um, we don't like to have reactions to the things that they do wrong negatively. Um, we try to course correct by saying something they can do right instead. Mm, that's um, I'm not going to tell my son, hey, you messed up. You did that. That's bad. Bad boy. You know, um, I say, you know what? There's better ways of doing this. Let's try it out. Mm, wow. Um, mm. Positivity. Um, even right, you know, now, like in sports, I'm a, a defensive coach for a, a football league. And I found... Um, in our huddle, encouraging our kids to do better was way better than yelling at them for messing up. Sure. Right. And it's the same thing in your life. The more I tell them they're doing right, the better it makes them feel. The kids don't get payment. We go to work, we get paid. If we want to get paid more, we get better at our job. Mm-hmm. Kids don't get paid. They don't get cash money for doing the good things that they do. They don't, you know, work is life. If you can pay them through gratitude and being thankful for what they're doing right, they're going to replicate those right things more Mm. often. That's good. If you want your kid, your children to be good, tell them they are good. Mm -hmm. It's positive reinforcement. Yeah. And he's not talking about like the hippy dippy, you're perfect. No. It's a, it's a redirection, I would say. Right. We find their, their flaws and we tell them, Hey, you know, bummer. Let's try it this way. I bet you succeed. Yeah. And it's very interesting. I feel like, especially as the older we get, we recognize when we've messed up or something is not optimal. I want to end on this thought because we'll keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Is, uh, this very much my story. I think everybody's story here and so much of Corey's story is the enemy tries to convince you that you have zero power over your life. Yeah. And when you really look into the Bible, when you really look into the, um, who God is, who Jesus is, it's all about you have the power of free choice and you have way more power over your life than you realize. Each of your decisions, um, good, bad, or indifferent. If, I think if you're, if you're at that, that journey of suicide and depression is you have the power to change. Do not let the enemy in the world convince you that you will be stuck with this for the rest of your life. I think that's one of the biggest lies that Christians have bought into, um, people in the world that you will always have X, Y, and Z. You always have depression. You always have anxiety. Um, and that's the journey I think a lot of us have been over the past three years mm-hmm. is that is not true. Yeah. That's not who God says he is. That's not who Jesus says he is. Um, if you look at the journey of Jesus, it's always about, you can always change. You can always make different decisions in your life and things can be different. And through the world and the enemy, they've convinced everybody that you have zero power of your life and you can change nothing. I think all of us are walking testimonies that that is not true. Mm-hmm. Not even right. remotely. Definitely. Right. 
So mm-hmm. uh, that's episode 20. If you got a thought, say it now or forever hold your peace <laughs> until episode 21. Um, that's Corey. We just want to internally thank you yeah. for sharing your amazing testimony, your story, being vulnerable and honest, uh, sharing that wisdom with us. Um, we're going to have to have you back. I'm down. <laughs> I mean, Let's do it. Uh, when we're talking about marriage and kids and this journey, it's just, it's amazing. This is why we continue to say every episode, surround yourself with powerful men. Yes. Yeah. Surround yes. yourself with men who have taken the hits, gotten back up and keep going. Because when you take those hits and you look to the left and the right, and so to speak, you can count on each other. You can express pains and things you're going through and be vulnerable and real. And it's not about being um, hyper emotional, but it's about digesting what's really going on in life. So Corey, we thank you. We honor you for doing that. He's going to have to take us out with a song. I mean, <laughs> you want to hit us with a little ditty on our way out? Maybe a little big oh, girls no, don't cry. <laughs> now he's on the spot. Um, Tell you what, have me back and I'll, I'll give you a good one. I'll think okay, about perfect. a good one for you guys. Perfect. Um, that's been episode 20 of Menovation. Make sure you check out uh, episode 19 if you haven't. That's part one with Corey Ross. This has been part two. Check us on Facebook, Instagram, all those good places. Um, make sure to head over to iTunes, leave us a review. Let's just let us know what you're thinking. You can DM us on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts, all that good stuff. Um, and if you know others that are struggling through suicide and you know, all that stuff, share it with them. Yeah, yeah on that yeah. DM, um, John, let me know. Um, I, I want this story. You know, I'm, I'm here because I want to help. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Let me know if there's anybody out there that um, is going through something like that that just needs somebody to talk to. Okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here, there it is. I didn't want to put you out there, but of course you're a stud. If you are struggling with this, do not struggle alone. Right. Reach out via right. Instagram um, and we will get you plugged in to Corey Ross. Uh, and of course, we're always here. Do not struggle. And I cannot say that enough. If you are struggling with any of this, depression, suicide, anxiety, um, even beyond that, reach out. We will get you plugged in. Uh, We will help you find resources, all that good stuff. So uh, we love you guys. Episode 20, we're out.